Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Happy Easter. Today we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Join Valley Point Church as we investigate the life of Christ and what He has to offer us. Easter, it's a holiday, it's a break, it's a religious event, but it's also a story, and it's quite a story. You know, a story is something that just kind of grabs your attention and takes you into a place where you're willing to just put everything down and give up an hour or two or three to get lost in the story. I recently introduced my son, Caden, to the Rocky story. And Caden's quite a guy, and he is just completely captivated with everything Rocky right now. And so we've been watching all of the movies, and it's really kind of fun to watch these with him. And to get to those scenes where it looks like Rocky's going to go down, and he's going to be defeated, and there's no way for him to come back. But then if you've seen any of these movies, and if you know the story of Rocky, you know he has this amazing way to come back and to take a beating, but to stand back up and to begin throwing punches again, and eventually he wins and becomes a true champion. Well, in the middle of watching all of this, it's just fun to watch Caden look at the story, because here's what happens. Here's what Caden does. He sits on the edge of the couch and Instead of just kind of sitting there and relaxing during the movie, he begins to inch forward. And his eyes get really, really big because he's into the story. And then all of a sudden, he kind of moves off of the couch, and he's standing, and he's weaving, and his hands even get up in the air as if he is shadow boxing. And by the time the scene ends, Caden is absolutely exhausted, as if he has been the one boxing, and his little heart is beating fast, and then the questions come. Dad, is Rocky the champion? Dad, why is Rocky left-handed? Dad, let's box. You be Apollo Creed, and I'll be Rocky. And that's when I know he's into the story. Yeah, he's into the story. That very first Easter is quite a story. It's the story of all stories because it involves life and then a very brutal death and then, surprise, life again. That's really what that first Easter was. It was life and then death and then life again. And it all centered around an individual named Jesus. And he was a pretty special individual. He was God with flesh on. He was the one He was God's son, and even though he was God's son, he really had humble beginnings, though. He didn't grow up with a lot of privilege, not the kind of privilege you would think if you were God's son. Jesus was actually born to parents who were peasants, just incredibly poor. They had nothing at all. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was born, his parents weren't even married. And back in the day, scandalous 
Jesus grew up in the town of Nazareth, and Nazareth was known for absolutely nothing. It was a good-for-nothing, tiny little town, and nothing really good happened in Nazareth. There was nothing to do there. Nobody woke up in Nazareth and said, I think I need a little Wawa today. Right? Because they didn't exist. They weren't there. It was just this small little tiny town. And nothing good happened there. Nothing good came from there until Jesus. As we think about the story of Easter, Jesus eventually grew up and he matured into a man. And he moved to the big city of Jerusalem. And it's there that he began to do all kinds of different miraculous things. One day we find Jesus reaching out to the untouchable, those with infectious skin diseases that were tossed outside of the city and nobody would touch them for fear that they would have that kind of disease themselves. But yet on this day we find Jesus reaching out and touching the untouchable and healing them. On another day, we find Jesus spending time with those who were marginalized and pushed to the fringes of society, those who were outcasts, those who were downtrodden, those who were poor and orphaned, and Jesus spent time with them. And then we find Jesus teaching in the temple, and whenever Jesus taught, huge crowds gathered to hear what he had to say. His compassion... His insights, his teachings were absolutely remarkable. He claimed to be the Messiah, and he backed it up with all kinds of miraculous events. And it's normally about this time that people began to say, I think this guy's got it. He's the one. He's the Messiah. And as we think about the story, most of us know how this goes. We've read these kinds of books and we've watched these kinds of movies. Jesus just captures everybody's heart. And eventually there is a big parade with confetti and smiles and laughter and bunnies. Have to throw bunnies in there because it's Easter. So there's bunnies in this parade and there is all kinds of smiles happening. And Jesus walks in and he cuts down the nets and he raises the championship trophy because Jesus is amazing. Go, Jesus. Our story tells us, though, that there is another group, the power group, the religious group of that day. And they had fancy robes that they wore and all kinds of degrees stacked up behind their names and they walked around with their noses so high in the air that they didn't even know where they were going and they absolutely hated Jesus. They called him a fraud and a liar. He can't be saying these things. He can't be doing these things and we need to do something about it. And so they put a plan together where they would kill Jesus. And so you've got two groups. You've got the Go Jesus group and they're ready to lift up the trophy and to celebrate because He's the guy, and he's amazing. And then you've got the no-Jesus group. Eventually, the power group, the religious group, the no-Jesus group wins out, and they take Jesus. And after just 33 years, they kill him. And he dies a most cruel kind of death. He dies a most humiliating kind of death. And his broken and mutilated body hung on a cross, and he died. 
and it was a pretty dark day. But not for the power group, not for the religious leaders. They were very happy about this. And here's what they said. He's done. He's gone. It's over. That's what they said, and they were really happy about that. He's done. He's gone. It's over. And they probably scampered off to their favorite gathering places, and they celebrated the fact that it was over, and they had won. High fives. We're the winners here. If you turn the page or begin a new chapter or you come into a new scene in this movie, you discover that there is the other group. The ones who gave up their lives to follow Jesus. The ones who really believed in what he said and they gave up their careers and their jobs and everything to be with this Messiah. And they're gathered together and they're hiding and they're frightened and they're demoralized and depressed. And they're saying, he's done. He's gone. It's over. Now, if any group should have been thinking the other way, it should have been that group because they were with Jesus and they had time with him and they would have listened to him talk about how I'm going to die and I'm going to pay the price for the sins of the world. But don't be too frightened because I'm going to come back to life assuring that everyone can have a friendship with me. That's what I'm going to do. And normally it's at this part of the story that we say, time out, time out. I mean, just stop everything here. Because that's exactly what happens. Jesus comes back to life, and we know that, so let's not get too down. Let's not be too frustrated here. You know, time out. Jesus comes back. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I don't think anybody on that day believed that. Because the group that should have been waiting at the graveyard for Jesus to come out so that they could celebrate with him, they were hiding, and they were frustrated, and they were discouraged, and they were saying, he's done. He's gone. It's over. And maybe that's you. When it comes to God and Jesus and the church, you're just like, you know what? He's done. He's gone, and it's over. But you're here because it's kind of the Easter thing to do, but yet that's really what you think. I want to let you know that you are not the first person to think that. Even those who lived with Jesus thought, he's done, he's gone, and it's over. And I want to encourage you just to hang in there for a moment. That Easter, that Easter actually began as a very dark day. It's been dark since Friday because death is so final. So final. And this is where we pick up with the story. So here's what I want to do. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 28 where we finish the scene here. And I'm going to share a couple of different thoughts with you that I think will encourage you on this Easter. So here's what Matthew chapter 28 says. Again, keep in mind, they're all saying, he's done, he's gone, it's over. Here's verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first light of the new week dawned, So it's Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Here's thought number one. They weren't going to see if Jesus was alive. I don't believe that. That's not why Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were going to the tomb. They weren't going to see if Jesus was moving around, if Jesus was awake and they could have a a real conversation with him. They weren't going to see if Jesus was alive. 
they were going to take care of a dead man. See, Jesus was crucified as a common criminal of the Roman government. And the Romans typically did not allow families of criminals to take care of their dead in a normal kind of way. They wanted their dead to hang on the cross and to rot and to just get all disfigured so that if anybody thought they could take a shot at Rome, if anybody thought they could overcome Rome, well, take a look at this, because here's what's going to happen to you. And so they wanted bodies on the crosses for a long time to just really discourage everybody. Of course, that was very distasteful to the Jews who had customs and laws and rules that they followed in taking care of their dead. And so here's what they would normally do with someone in their family who passed. They would take the body, and they would wash it, and they would clean it, and then they would begin to wrap it in a burial shroud, which was normally made of linen. And in the process of wrapping the body, they would anoint it with herbs and spices. And that was all done to keep the stench of death away as long as possible. So they would take the body and they would wash it and they would anoint it and care for it and wrap it in linen and then they would place it in a tomb. Now this is kind of different for us because we don't do the next part here, but it was part of their custom and tradition that they would go back to that same tomb several days in a row and they would continue to care for the body. And they would anoint it with more herbs and more spices in order to keep the smell of death away. And I believe that's what these ladies were coming to do. Remember, he's done. He's gone. It's over. But we care about him and we love him. And so we're going to the tomb, not anticipating that Jesus is going to be awake and wandering around. We're going to care for a dead man's body. Back to the story. Suddenly, the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's God's angel came down from heaven and came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garment shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't even move. And then the angel spoke to the women. There is nothing to fear here. It's a great statement, isn't it? Like, pay no attention to the rocking and the reeling of the earth and the shafts of light coming from my head. Like, no big deal here. That's not uncommon. Don't be freaked out about that at all. Kind of a funny thing. The angel said, I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He is not here. He was raised just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was placed. Here's thought number two. The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. Stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The indication in the paragraph here is that Jesus is already gone when the stone is rolled away. So it kind of begs the question, who was the stone rolled away for then? In my mind, as I've read this story over the years, I always assume the stone was rolled away so Jesus could walk, walk out and say, here I am, I'm alive, I made it, I did it, and let's celebrate and let's rejoice, I'm here. That's what I always thought. But here's the reality. If a guy can come back to life on his own, does he really need someone to roll away a stone for him? 
You know, it's not like Jesus was sitting in the tomb saying, well, I'm alive now. This is great and wonderful. And now I can get out and I can share my story with the world if it weren't for that stinking stone. <laughs> right? Like, what a bummer because of the stone. Yeah, I don't think that's a conversation Jesus had in his mind. He was just gone. And so the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that the women could see in and notice that Jesus was gone. Stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away so all of us could look in and see that he truly was alive. Verse 7. The angel said, now get on your way quickly and tell his disciples. Tell his followers. He is risen from the dead. He is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. And the women, deep in wonder... And that word wonder there actually means fear, but it's not a fear as they're scared out of their minds. It's a reverence. It's a respect. It's a deep awe. So the woman deepened respect and reverence and awe. And it also says here they were full of joy. And that word joy actually means glad. They were happy. You think? I mean, they were going to take care of a dead man's body and all of a sudden he's gone and there's shafts of light and the earth is rocking and reeling and they're told he's not here, he is alive and tell my followers to meet him over here. I mean, they are full of respect and wonder and deep awe and they're happy about this and they lost no time in leaving the tomb. They ran to tell the disciples. Then Jesus met them, stopping them in their tracks. Good morning, he said. (laughs) And I think that's just kind of a really funny greeting. And when you dig into this, you discover in the language here that it's the most common, informal kind of way to greet somebody. It's like Jesus met them and said, hey, how you doing? What's up? In other words, what'd you expect? Right? I said this is what was going to happen, so good morning. And then it says they fell to their knees embraced his feet and worshipped him. Jesus said, you're holding on to me for dear life. Don't be frightened like that. Go tell my brothers that they are to go to Galilee and that I'll meet them there. Here's our big idea as we think about this incredible story, the story of Easter. Jesus isn't gone. He's very much alive, and that's good news for all of us. Jesus isn't gone. Jesus isn't gone, okay? Jesus is very much alive, and that's very good news for every single person in here. And so if Jesus isn't gone, and he's very much alive, I want to share a couple of takeaways with you and speak to different groups that are probably represented in the room right here. So first of all, for those who have never believed, trust Jesus. Would you do that? Maybe you're here and you're kind of a skeptic or you're a seeker and you're kicking the tires of religion a bit and trying to figure out God and Jesus and what does all of this mean and you're just not quite there yet. I just want to encourage you, would you open your heart and would you open your mind to what Jesus has done for you? This really happened. This isn't just some fairy tale. God, through Jesus, accomplished all of this, and he did it for you. He did it for me. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus alone before, today is the day to do that, and it will be an amazing Easter celebration for you. You know, if Jesus is the Son of God, his teachings are more than just wise insights. 
They are divine insights, absolutely divine. And you're capable of building your life upon what he says. So if you've never trusted before, today's the day. Open your heart and trust Jesus and what he's done for you. For those who have believed and you're frustrated, you trusted in Jesus and you've taken that step, but you're just a little frustrated, like life hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to for whatever reason, here's your takeaway. Leave the tomb. Leave the tomb of bitterness. Leave the tomb of anger. Leave the tomb of broken dreams. Leave the tomb of broken relationships. Leave the tomb of pride. Leave the tomb of hate. Leave the tomb of jealousy. Tombs stink, and Jesus doesn't want you to be there. And so follow him. Allow him to surprise and delight you this Easter. And follow what he wants for you. And don't hang out in the tomb of whatever that is for you. Tomb stink. And Jesus wants you to move on. Follow his simple truth. And let him change you. And if Jesus is who he claims to be, then he deserves all of me. Not like just a little bit. Or not just the parts that I want to give him. If Jesus is who he claims to be, and if he did all of this, if he conquered death, he deserves every piece of me. So leave whatever tomb might be keeping you right there and allow Jesus to surprise and delight you once again. One last takeaway. For those who have believed and you're energized, just don't get too comfortable following Jesus. Don't get too comfortable. Don't let God get too small in your life. Allow him to amaze you and allow that transformation to keep guiding your life and to continue to impact the lives of the people around you. It's an incredible story. The story of Easter. And it has so much to say to each and every one of us. What is God whispering into your heart right now? See, on that Easter, that very first Easter, hope was delivered. I mean, hope came in a huge way. On this Easter, let it be more than a holiday. Let it be more than a break. Let it be more than just another religious event. Let it be something that captures your heart. Let it be the story that it is where we say, He's not gone. He's not dead. And it's not over because Jesus is very much alive. Father, we're thankful for what we discover here in Matthew chapter 28. Just an amazing story. But God, this thing really happened. I mean, you really did enact a plan where you sent your one and only son and he came and he lived and he allowed that power group to take his life. He willingly gave his life. He willingly did that for me and for everyone here so that we could enter into that forever friendship with you. And so we're thankful on this Easter for the story. What a story it is. A story of Jesus doing something for us that we never could have done on our own. God, I just pray that as we continue to think about what you have done for us, whether we believe or whether we don't believe, whether we're frustrated or whether we're excited or whether we're skeptic, God, I pray that you open our minds to who you are. 
and that we would be surprised once again, once again with what you have accomplished for us. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. And we honor you and we worship you now. In the risen name of Jesus, we do pray. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.